Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I'm your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. So today we are going to be talking about relationship building through beauty and all the ways that relationships can influence your own sense of self. We've always said that beauty is a means of connection with yourself and with others. And, you know, we've talked a lot about using beauty to connect with yourself, but we haven't talked so much about using beauty to connect with others. So today that is all we are focusing on. So, you know, beauty habits, how we view ourselves and how we present ourselves, they don't happen in a bubble for better or for worse. We pick up routines and techniques from family, from friends, from strangers on the internet. The relationships we are in can help fuel our self-confidence or, unfortunately, do the opposite too. Beauty and sharing advice and product recommendations can create connections with others and even turn them into lifelong friendships. It was an idea that was shared with me by the amazing Brooke DeVard. She is the host of the beauty podcast, Naked Beauty, and she has massed quite the community of beauty lovers since starting it several years ago. I reached out to her because I am such a fan and I wanted to see if there's anything she wanted to talk about. And, you know, she mentioned this idea about the intersection of relationships and beauty. And I couldn't think of a better person to talk about it with because she is so good at forging connections through her beauty community. So, you know, without further ado, I would love to welcome Brooke. Brooke, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited for this conversation. I absolutely cannot wait to talk about this. I think this is a fascinating topic. When you emailed me that this was kind of the idea you wanted to talk about, I thought it was one, so brilliant and fun. It's something we definitely haven't covered yet. And two, I think it just really resonated with with you as a as a person in the beauty space. You are somebody who clearly is really good at creating a community and bonding relationships through beauty and kind of that exploring that intersection. So I'm so excited to have this chat today. But before we get into that, I would just love if you could introduce yourself to our audience and that way they can hear a little bit more about your story, you know, in, in case they don't know you. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I absolutely agree with you about beauty being such a great conduit for community. And that's kind of what I've tried to do with my podcast, Naked Beauty. I've been podcasting since 2016. So I feel like I'm like an OG in the podcasting game. And when I started, there weren't a lot of beauty podcasts, actually, even though it's such a thing that it's so easy to talk to people about, like you ask someone what skincare they're loving right now or what they're using in their hair, and it can launch a conversation with a total stranger. So I love that about beauty. But at the time, I think it was kind of like a strange concept to do an audio podcast about beauty because people thought of YouTube, you know? So yeah. That's how I got into podcasting, but I work full-time. I work at Instagram. I'm on the creator marketing team there, and I work on a lot of our video products. So I work full-time, and I'm also a mom. I have an 11-month-old baby, Mavi. So mom, wife, full-time employee, and podcaster on the side. I'm based in New York. I'm from New York. And yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Truly the woman who does it all. And, you know, congratulations um, on your baby. I know you just were on maternity leave recently. And I, I was following along on your adventures. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to ask, how did you really decide that you wanted to carve a beauty career out for yourself? Was there a moment that you're like, oh, 
this is something that I could do and want to do with, with my time, with my life. It's so interesting that you ask that. And it's such a great question because I feel like oftentimes you find yourself following your passions. Something big, Something's a hobby, right? Like I was interested in beauty. I loved beauty. I spent a lot of time on Into the Gloss when it first launched. I would mm, read these long form sure. interviews. I'm sure you're familiar with Into the Gloss, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And at the time, it was so interesting to hear women talk about just everything they're loving, but also how their family informed their approach to skincare, how, you know, where they grew up informed their approach to beauty. I realized that beauty was something that you could really get deep on. And I just loved it as something on the side. As I was working, you know, at the time I was working at Ralph Lauren, I used to do social media for Ralph Lauren. So running the like at Ralph Lauren account. And I would read these long articles on Into the Gloss. And I left that job. And then I, I went over to Viacom to do entertainment marketing. And I still loved beauty. I still love skincare. I'm that person that stops someone on a busy street to be like, this eyeshadow is incredible. Like, who makes it? I need the details. Or your skin is incredible. Like, need moisturizer details right now. At the same time, I was also beginning to make a lot of my own products. I really like holistic DIY beauty. I make my own shea butter scrubs. I make my own facial oils. I'm like mixing argan oil and sea buckthorn oil to create the perfect illuminating, you know, face serum. So I was going really deep in like understanding natural beauty and, you know, clean ingredients. But I love, I love like plant powered, like botanical active ingredients. I love that. That was like my thing. And I was just like, so into it. So on the side, on top of work, I was like, how can I just like create more room and opportunities to talk to women about beauty? And that's when I launched my podcast, Naked Beauty. So, you know, now it's something that I do and it's a successful podcast and it's a podcast that a lot of people tune into. But when I first started, not, you know, you know, you have to get your first a thousand listeners. Like that's a big deal. And it took some time. I'm, I'm on my fifth year. So to your point about building community and, you know, you're, you've amassed this crew that follows your podcast and, you know, you are somebody who, who does stop and connect with people over beauty that segues perfectly into the topic that we're discussing today, you know, the intersection of beauty and relationships. And we both have mentioned, you know, this concept that historically and also in modern day, beauty is is this community building force. And how do you see that in your relationships, notably as somebody who has been able to create this community of beauty lovers, you know, like what is this intersection of beauty and community and why is beauty such a great pull to bring people around? Yeah, you know, it's so, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is about beauty, but I think it's one of those things that people are able to talk about very freely without any reservation. So like, from what I know about you, Alex, from your Instagram, like you have amazing hair. I'm sure people stop you and ask you about your hair, right? Thank you. They do. <laughs> right. And like, you're, you're probably willing to like give up the goods, right? Like if someone's oh, I like- I love it. It's all I talk yeah, about. <laughs> exactly. So that's like, you know- this one thing that a total stranger, again, you can like easily connect with someone on. And that's what I think is so like beautiful about beauty. I also think in terms of, you know, building relationships, I've actually built relationships with people based on listening to the podcast. I also was very intentional when I launched the podcast, I wanted to have a community around beauty. So I launched Naked Beauty Planet, which is like the Instagram account 
for the podcast. And that's where I talk to people. And I've been able to go really deep with people because they share with me their struggles, things they're going through. You know, my skin is breaking out terribly, but usually their skin is breaking out because they're dealing with something in their personal life, right? So Mm -hmm. like we talk, we end up talking about that. So I think it's like, again, it's this thing where you could get really deep on and it seems surface level and it seems superficial, but I think it's something that you can really build strong relationships around. Yeah. It's almost like a low stakes way to talk about you know, real problems in our life, you know, to your point, it starts off superficial, but then the next thing you know, you're talking about your job is stressful. You just went through a breakup or, you know, whatever it is, you know, do you find that to be the case? You start having a conversation about a pimple and all of a sudden, you know, you're (laughs) talking with somebody about how they got broken up with two months ago. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's something that really comes across in, in my interviews because, I always ask people about what their relationship was like to beauty growing up. And I think a lot Mm. of us have a very awkward period in middle school. I certainly did where you just don't know what to do. You feel awkward in your own body. You're for me, I'm, I'm, I just turned 32. I was watching like TRL, right? I was watching like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and Destiny's Child. And I'm like sitting there with like my palette expander and like, you know, just looking not cute. But I would look at those women like, oh my gosh, like they're so beautiful. They look so amazing. And knowing I wanted to like look like that, but being very far from that. So it's interesting when you think about even just the way we grow up, the images and the media we consume and what we learn as this is beautiful or this is something to aspire to, that has a really big role in shaping us. I also think our families have a really big role in shaping Mm us. Did you have a mother that you know, encouraged you to experiment with makeup? Did you have parents that said, you know, you can't go out of the house, this is too short, this is too tight, and that, you know, changed your relationship somehow with your self-presentation? It's layered, it's complex. There's there's a lot there in terms of how we choose to self-present and how we choose to, you know, care for ourselves. I mean, that glides into kind of the next uh, broad topic that I wanted to chat about is the different types of relationships and the different types of community that beauty can form around us. You know, there's all different types of relationships from romantic relationships to familiar relationships, to friendships, to acquaintances. And I think all of these can be impacted in beauty in some, in some way. Um, I think familial relationships is one that comes up a lot when we talk about beauty to, to your point. I think a lot of women talk about how their mom talked about beauty, you know, so what is that family connection to beauty habits that, that we seem to just like almost inherently have, like, what's your experience with that? And like, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, that's so interesting. So I personally saw my mom getting ready to go out for these like fabulous events. Like I can remember that so crystal clear, like her, you know, putting on the lipstick, the fragrance, laying out the clothes and the ritual of getting ready. And that being something that I even at a very young age understood, okay, this is a process. This is a ritual. This is something that women do before they go out into the world to to some event. Is that something, Alex, that you saw, you know, your mother or women in your life doing? Absolutely. I, I, I'm such a fragrance geek like I just I love fragrance I love learning about fragrance Ooh, me too you know yeah I have like a huge huge collection and I remember that I I can truly just trace my connection to fragrance based on this idea of you know it was it was a thing that made my mom feel special and like 
you know, she didn't buy super fancy makeup for herself and we didn't really have, you know, she didn't like, we didn't like have designer clothes or anything like that, but she always had designer perfume. And mm. like, it just, to me, it was just this like really beautiful luxury that she kept around. And it was like the thing that she put on, you know, she, we didn't have, she didn't have a designer bag, but she had that, you know, Oscar de la Renta perfume. And that was like her designer moment. And like, I, I absolutely have a relationship to fragrance that I can trace back to that, you know? And I, wow. I, I just think it's such a fascinating relationship that we have. Yeah, that's amazing. And the fact that even today, you're still someone who loves fragrance because of something that happened all of these years ago. And only because you brought it up, I have to know, what's your, what's your go-to fragrance? What fragrance do you love? Oh my gosh. You know, I really like Jake's House by Henry Rose. Okay. I've um, never even heard of that. I need to look it up, but sounds bad. Oh my gosh. I, I'll send it to you. I also, I really like that. I mean, this is absolutely my, <laughs> like the fragrance that I keep hidden and I'm just like, this is so nice. I, it, it, it's the nicest fragrance I own. It's the Kriegler number 12. Mm. It was the one that designed for Princess Grace of Monaco. And wow. And now like, you know, anybody can buy it. And I, I, I got it because I work in the beauty industry and it's, it just feels too precious to spray. And it's very much just like, I absolutely feel like a princess when I wear it. Oh my gosh. Okay. You absolutely also have very expensive fragrance taste. I know. Like, well, it I've, all comes back Kriegler, to that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my mom was like, this is her designer moment. And I think I just yeah. associate with fragrance with like, it, it's just like, it's the epitome of luxury. Yes, absolutely. And it only takes like one or two sprays of a great fragrance to totally transform your mood, totally like just transform. It's like, it's part of getting ready, you know? So I love that. I love that. I'm I'm going to, I know Kriegler, iconic. I'm going to tap into Henry Rose. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's a newish brand. I want to say it came out like two, three years ago. It's actually like backed by uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Interesting. Um, yeah, but it's not like a celebrity facing brand in that way, but it's, they make really, really beautiful scents and it's all, it's, they develop, they're all just like very unique and like aesthetically, it's a really beautiful brand. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite a fan. I think you'll probably like it as well. Definitely check Great. it out. But you know, you mentioned that you watched your mom get, get ready and you know, do you, when you get ready now, you know, do you have those connections that you saw your mom do that you still practice? Is there any connection there? Well, you know, it's so funny. I've, I've recently become a mom and I will be the first to admit, I have no shame about this, but I had gender disappointment, which I don't know how many friends you have that have gone through pregnancy, but it's like this, it's a term. I didn't even know this term existed where like you find yeah. out the gender of your child and you're disappointed. Now, of course, it's very silly because all you should care about is having a healthy baby. That's like, that's really all that matters. Now I love like my baby boy is like so perfect. I love him so much. Like I, I couldn't even imagine any other way, but I had, you know, early, you find out pretty early on in your pregnancy, the gender. So it was early on. I sure. didn't know what this, you know, amazing boy would be like. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really wanted a girl because I had so, <laughs> you know, so much of my formative identity was like watching these rituals and like, you know, thinking about all of this stuff I was going to share with my daughter and we're going to do face masks together and it's going to be this whole thing. Now, of course, when he gets older, maybe I can do face masks with him. Maybe he's going to be sure. into skincare, you know, one, yeah. one can dream. So, you know, 
that's an interesting thing when you think about when you start your own family. Okay, what does my child learn from me when it comes to beauty Mm. and self-care? And I think, you know, for, for my mom, she was always very striking, always thought through the accessories, the bag, the shoes. She collects Manolo Blahnik shoes. That's like her thing. And she had just a, a wall of shoe boxes and on the shoe boxes, a Polaroid of every single pair of shoes inside. You know, I'm like lucky if oh. I can keep two shoes together. Like I'm like the most disorganized person ever. But I just remember like, you know, everything was so together. And I, you know, especially I think as a black woman, you don't often see images of yourself reflected in the media. We talked about TRL earlier and I'm seeing again, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. Yeah. I, I love Beyonce to this day. I have loved Beyonce for what, like 25 years of my life. Like I've loved Beyonce. Sure. For my 10th birthday, I went to go see Destiny's Child perform at Jones Beach. Like I have loved them forever. But again, it's like you have so little. So you like grab on to what you have. Like I had Destiny's Child that was great, but I had very few images of black women indulging in beauty growing up. So I think that's why seeing my mom was very important. Also, my grandmother is very glamorous. So that really makes an impact. And in terms of how I, you know, take that into my day to day, I think I just, when there is some place to show up or be or an event, I really do take the time to plan it out in, in advance. I have events two weeks from now, I know what I'm wearing. I know the shoes I'm wearing. I know the lipstick I'm wearing. I know how my hair is going to be. I plan it in advance. And I think I got that from my mom and and from my grandmother. So, you know, the next part of this is romantic relationships. You know, this is definitely something that plays a role in this conversation. And I'm curious, you know, what I think we so often view beauty as a community building exercise with maybe our friends and you know obviously we've we've talked about the family but I also think there's something there with romantic relationships you know you're you're married um have you found that beauty has played some sort of role in in your romantic relationship now or just relationships in the past like is there a connection there oh Alex I'm so excited to talk about this and I also want to ask if you're in a relationship and you you have these experiences as well are you in a relationship I am deathly single. (laughs) Okay, you're single. Um, (laughs) Okay, enjoy it. Because one of the things that I have found that has been surprising to me is that my husband has like a strong point of view about how I wear my hair. Like he'll be like, so when we met, I have, you know, very naturally curly, kinky hair. I was wearing it in an afro that I pinned on the sides, like with bobby pins. I created kind of Mm -hmm. like, they call it a frohawk, right? Like an afro mohawk. This is his favorite hairstyle of all time. This is how, this is how my hair was the night that we met. We met in London forever ago, 2012, during the London Olympics. We met at the Dorchester Hotel. It was one of those things like, okay, our eyes lock from across the yeah, room. They... Yes. And and I, I, I will admit, I looked great that night. I looked great that night. But to this day, we have been married for five years. Again, we met in 2012. So we're almost coming up with like 10 years of this moment. He begs me to do this hairstyle. <sighs> begs bags. He loves it. And anytime my hair is straight, he's like, okay, it's nice. But like, when are you going back to like the curly? And it's just so interesting to me that he has a point of view about this and like a very strong point of view about this. So I will indulge him from time to time. And I love wearing my hair this way. It's not like I'm doing something that I don't like just to make my partner happy. Because I think if you are doing that, if you are, if you're presenting yourself in a way 
that does not feel authentic to you and you're only doing it to make your partner happy, then that's an issue. So it's not, it's not like, oh, I hate this, but he likes it. So I'll do it anyway. I like sure. it. He loves it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's been really interesting to me. And I think it's, I don't know. I think for me, and I'm curious to hear from you, Alex, do you, I, I personally feel like, and this is against stereotyping men. So sure. sorry for the, sorry for the men listening that feel like not all men. Yeah. I feel like most of the time they don't really care, but my husband yeah. cares. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. My last, so my last major relationship, he, he didn't, he did not have like an aesthetic eye. He did absolutely fit that stereotype, but I actually always found that he was one of the best judges of skincare products that I had in my life. Cause I think, wow. And I'll, and I have a reason for this. And I think it's because one, he's not influenced by marketing in the same way right. that I think, you know, so much, so, so many of us who are in the beauty space or just enjoy beauty are, you know, I think that we follow all these brands and, you know, we're kind of inundated with what, what's cool right now, what, totally. what, what's the aesthetic, et cetera, et cetera. And so one, he didn't come from, into the conversation with that point of view or any sort of influence there. And then two, I think that because as I was always trying something new, I still am basically always trying something new. And so when I see a change in my skin, I didn't always necessarily have a baseline to draw from because, you know, okay, well, was it this product or was it this product that I switched or was it, you know, and so it was, mm -hmm. there was always just too much going on almost. And he didn't necessarily have mm -hmm. that. And so he could try something. And if I saw a difference in his skin, I was like, oh, well, I actually think that quite works. Um, you had a little tester at home. That's yeah. a beauty editor's dream. <laughs> And, you know, I think there is absolutely, the stereotype does ring true that like, I just think guys don't, they're not grown up in the beauty or they're not raised in the beauty industry. So they're just, they don't have this attachment to it in the same way, or, you know, society doesn't tell them to, to, to like it in the same way. But I think more and more you are seeing guys become like, you know, your husband, somebody who does like have a very strong point of view. Do you, you know, do when you talk to your friends, do you find that to be the case with their, with their male partners? Yes. And a very common issue. And I, it's funny, I made like a little reels video about this is partners using your really expensive goods, <laughs> skincare. Like yeah. my husband loves like super goop unseen sunscreen, arguably <laughs> like the best invisible sunscreen ever. He'll like slather it on. And I'm like, okay, one is expensive Two, yeah. like it's mine and we're on vacation and I have a limited supply. So I have found that for a lot of my friends, you know, their partners are like dipping into the luxury deep conditioner. They're dipping into, you know, that beautiful like biologique recherche cleanser that sure. you've got, or they're like, Hey, can I use some of that Paula's choice toner? And you're like, Whoa, one, you're paying attention. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> and two, I'm happy that you're into skincare, but three, also like it's mine. So just <laughs> you need to like, go buy your own bottle. Exactly. Ease up. So <laughs> that's definitely a common thing. And you know, the other thing that is so interesting, I, I, I speak to women about beauty. Again, I've done over like 150 episodes talking to different women about beauty. And so many of them have talked about how they've either felt more beautiful in the right relationship or how a bad relationship has made them feel not beautiful. And nothing about them has changed physically, but just being with someone that validates and sees your beauty makes a huge difference in how you see yourself. 
And I think that's really powerful. And I think something for, you know, anyone in a relationship to be aware of is how does this person make me feel day to day? And am I with someone that makes me feel good in my own skin, that makes me feel good about myself, that's not trying to fix me or change me? Because I think, you know, a toxic romantic relationship impacts everything, but it certainly impacts your sense of self, your self-confidence and the way you feel in your own skin. And I've heard that from countless women I've interviewed on the podcast. I think that's 1000% true. And, you know, I, I think that is a huge part of this conversation because it really, it goes to show that how your relationship with beauty isn't just a reflection of yourself. It's a reflection of those around you. Yes. And if, if you're with a partner, you know, 24 seven, especially nowadays in the pandemic, that's absolutely going to affect the way that you view yourself. How could it not? I, I think it's a great point. And I think it's probably something that women maybe don't pay attention to until, until it's a problem, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes it can creep up on you and it can be very subtle in terms of how, how this, how this is impacting you and your sense of self. And I think you know, the opposite of that is like, when you feel really good in a relationship, I think it's obvious, like you, you just, you know, the question I ask every single guest on my podcast, every single woman I've had on Naked Beauty is when do you feel most beautiful? Every episode ends that way. And so many people have answered that question with when I'm in love, or when my Mm. boyfriend's looking at me, when my husband's looking at me, when my partner, when my girlfriend is looking at me, when the person I love is looking at me and sees me, or when I'm you know, in love. Some people have even answered like after having sex, that's when I feel most beautiful. Sure. And that's that's an amazing thing to hear because it means that the person that you're with, the person that you're romantically involved with is, is you know, there's something about their love that's transmitting onto you and making you feel truly beautiful and good about yourself. So let's take a moment to pause here and just expand a little bit further. Whether you realize it or not, the relationships in your life do influence your self-perception and how you feel about yourself can also influence the quality of your relationships. In a meta-analysis of over two decades of research, the researchers found that positive social relationships, social support, and social acceptance help shape the development of self-esteem in people over time across a wide range of ages, from 4 to 76. They also found that those with better self-esteem often reported having higher quality of friendships. This is all to say, be mindful of how people in your life make you feel about yourself. It's important and it matters. So I love when people give that answer. Did you find that when you met your husband, you you felt better in your own skin? Absolutely. I mean, I think... He And I always talk about how oftentimes the way that you dress or the way that you choose to self-present kind of signals to like the kind of partner that you want. And I was definitely not the girl in like the, and keep in mind, we met in 2012. So I was not the girl in the Hervé Leger bandage dress with like 
the long straight extensions. Like I was like in a Marnie, like conceptual, like oversized dress <laughs> with like, you know, a belt cinched at the waist. And like, I was, you know, when we met, I was like wearing like one dangling earring and the other earring was like a stud. And I had, again, the fro hawk and the bowl. Okay. Lipstick. So you were a cool, cool girl. So, like I was like, <laughs> but I was like serving a look, you know, a lot of guys yeah, don't like that. A lot of guys oh, don't like sure. that. They, they want the girl in like the little black dress and the stilettos yeah. and like the straight hair. And it's so funny, again, thinking about childhood when I was young, more like when I was a teen, but I would watch this awful show. I shouldn't say it's awful. It was entertaining on VH1 called The Millionaire Matchmaker. Do you know this show? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patty. I mean, I, I barely remember it, but yes. Yeah. But she would always counsel these women before going on dates. If she, If the woman had short hair, she'd be like, okay, you need extensions. Put in the extensions oh immediately. God. If the woman was wearing pants, why are you going on a date with pants? Like put, like, put on a, you know, and those yeah. are the things that, and again, I think, I think about my age and I think about like Us Weekly, there was In Touch, like all of these really trashy magazines, the way they would do who wore it better and they would break women's bodies down. They would like celebrities would like give like what I eat in a day and they would like break it apart and say all the things that are wrong with it. They would like, I was, I was looking at Perez Hilton at like, you know, 15 years sure. old, like looking at like who has cellulite at the beach. Like why, why was that even something that was like, you know, receiving into my psyche? But that's, that's, you know, kind of how a lot of um, us were conditioned. I'm so happy that Gen Z today has other things to look at. They have the body positivity movement. I love that. But, you know, I chose to self-present in a way that I think was different from how, I don't know, Cosmopolitan magazine would have told you you should dress for a date. And I think that I found a partner that appreciated that. So I love that he recognized that I had style. I love that he recognized that I was doing different things with my makeup, that I was doing a cool graphic liner and he would, you know, make comments on it. So I just think it's really important to show up as your authentic self, because that is going to help you attract someone who appreciates that authentic self. And then, you know, then you just vibe from there. Sure. Yeah. Recently, I was talking with somebody for for this podcast, and we were talking about a similar concept of just when it feels off and it feels like too much work, clearly you're, it's not the right fit. And I think that's Mm -hmm. touches on a little bit of what what we're discussing here of like, you know, if you, if you present yourself in a certain way, as you're looking for a romantic partner that isn't authentic to you later down the line, when perhaps, you know, you form some sort of relationship or you've been dating and still trying to figure it out. And, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I don't want to keep on looking this way, or I don't want to keep on acting this way, or I don't want to keep this totally that, that shows up later in the relationship. Absolutely. Like, you know, like those scenes in movies where people like the morning after, like the first night together, they like sneak out of the bed and they go into the bathroom and they put on concealer and mascara. Yeah. Like who's doing all of that? You know? One, yes. I always pick up on that in movies and I'm always just like, do, do I need to be doing that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Are other girls doing, this? doing it besides me? <laughs> I know. I know. But eventually the facade's got to drop eventually, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so funny. I haven't been on a first date in a long time. And I'm curious for like you and your friends that are dating, if you hear this, but I hear all the time, you shouldn't look your best on your first date. Like you should kind of like 
downplayed a little bit and then like pop out on like the third date like looking amazing do you agree with that I well one I've actually never heard that advice but I kind of like it you know it's like yeah keep it a little casual and then you know really really show up I think now the dating scene is well one it's interesting because of COVID but that's a whole other problem but (laughs) (laughs) that I refuse to discuss today but you know I think that the modern dating scene it certainly in terms of showing up and how you dress, I, I I certainly think it does default to, you know, feeling comfortable with what wearing something that you want to wear. I, I certainly think that attitude has changed for the better in a lot of ways. I don't know if it's just because I am now at a place where I feel comfortable with myself or, or if it's just the culture at large, but you know, it's like, I can remember the last time where I went on a date where I was like, oh man, like, I really should be straightening my hair and throwing on, you know, a, a cat eyeliner for this. Like, no, I, I show up with my curly hair and no eyeliner because that's how I look yeah. every day. And I, I think that that is hopefully kind of where the dating scene is now. I mean, your friends are dating. How do they talk about it? Well, to your point, I would argue that it probably has more to do with you accepting yourself and loving yourself than culture at large, because I think culture at large is very slow to move. So I think you should give yourself props for showing up that way. And I think for my friends, one, we have like all of these apps and social media. So, you know, the first time they see you, it's not really their first time seeing you, right? They can go do a deep dive on your Instagram and see, you know every time you've ever showed up anywhere. So I think that's interesting. You know, I don't know. Dating with these apps just seems really challenging. I'm going to be honest with you. It's great because you've got choice and you can just scroll through, but it seems like, you know, what's to ever stop someone from like, you know, getting off the merry-go-round and saying, okay, I'm going to stop. Like, I'm going to get off the app. Like, you're the person I'm going to focus on because it's like it's like endless possibilities thing. I also sure. think- Yeah. I also think this idea of having a type is really interesting. And I think it's especially, I'm in an interracial relationship. So I think that's also interesting, you know, when people will say like a certain race is not their type. And I think some of Mm -hmm. that is just prejudice, right? Because if you've been conditioned to not find a certain race attractive, I think that's an issue. And I think some people will try to pass it off as just, oh, it's just a preference. But if you're saying like, I'll only, you know, if you're a white person, you say I'll only date other white people. I think you have to really investigate why that is. Or the flip side, I've, I've talked to Asian women on my podcast that say, They'll, have, they'll date these white guys and they're fine with dating white guys. But sometimes if they find out that they've only dated Asian sure. women, they feel a way about it. You know, I would certainly feel a way about it if, if I found out my husband had only ever dated black women. Now he's Turkish, so that would be hard to achieve in Turkey. But if that was something that he sought out and only dated black women, that would be kind of like a red flag for me. So, you know, it's really interesting when you think about preference and when people talk about like what their type is. Yeah. That always, for me, raises some eyebrows because I think if you have this pre, and this goes for women too, I hear from women all the time. I want to date a guy that's really tall. Or I'm like, why sure. does he have to be really tall? Now, I understand with, I understand like within reason, right? <laughs> I understand yeah. wanting someone that's of a certain height, but okay, I want him to be really tall. Okay. That's, Let's investigate that. Why does that matter to you more than their character, who this person is? Mm-hmm. And I'm framing this in very heteronormative terms. Of course, I have friends that date people of the same gender. But just to give you an example of some of the conversations, I hear from a lot of my you know, heterosexual 
friends that are women that they want to date tall men. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you that I think the concept of types is one, it feels dated and two, it, it does like make me raise an eyebrow for sure. And, and no matter what context it's brought up in, just because to me, it, it says that on some level aesthetics, no matter what those aesthetics are, are more important than what comes after. And mm -hmm. so I think like that is what makes my stomach kind of turn about it, you know? Totally, totally. So, I mean, the next type of relationship that comes into play here is, you know, friendships. I think that a lot of people bond over beauty and I know a lot of my friends are people in the beauty space. That's obviously because I work in it, but I also think that a lot of people just gravitate towards others who have similar hobbies in the same way that if you really like sports, you probably have friends who watch sports with you. Totally. Um, so, you know, I, I think creating friendships around beauty is a, I don't, I don't think it's a superficial thing to, to do because we do it in all facets of our life, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like I've noticed something about the, the people that work in the beauty industry, especially the beauty editors, from my perspective, and this is, again, just me interviewing them, they all seem to have a really good sense of humor. And I, mm. I have this theory that to work in beauty, you have to have a sense of humor about things because it's really not all that serious. I think sure. I used to work in fashion. I interned at Vogue. I was like, literally, like I interned back to back at Vogue. I was like, I'm going to be a Vogue editor. The yeah. fashion girls are serious. I'm just going to put yeah. that up there. They take it seriously. Everything's very like aesthetic and perfect. And from, from what I see, the beauty girls have a lot more fun and they're just not taking it so seriously. So I have, I, I do find it interesting, this camaraderie around like the beauty editors and like all of the people in beauty, like everyone kind of like gets along, which I think is pretty cool. No, for sure. It's definitely a little community that... Yeah. Yeah, that uh, exists in New York, you know, where we all tend to live. And I totally agree with you. I think beauty editors and people who just work in the beauty space and even people who just consume beauty in, in a certain way, like they don't take themselves too seriously. They they have fun with it. It's they, they understand that, yeah, there is depth to what we do on some level, but it also can just be fun. And I think it does create an atmosphere that that just naturally breeds friendships. Yes, absolutely. And I think building friendships around beauty is like one of the easiest things to do. And I think, especially if you're in a new city, I had the experience of moving to London after college and knowing no one in London. And mm -hmm. I think if anyone here who's listening to this is like an adult hoping to make adult friends, which is really hard to do once you get out of school, the easiest like icebreaker, like if you see someone who's just like looking amazing, like compliment them and ask them questions. Like we were talking about Alex's hair earlier. Like if you see someone with an amazing hairstyle, how did you do it? What products did you use? This is so cool. By the way, my name is so-and-so. So nice to meet you. What's your name? Maybe exchange contacts on Instagram, get to know each other more. But like, it's a great icebreaker if you're wanting to make new friends. And then for existing friendships, one anything good that I discover, I'm sending it to the group chat. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if there's a lip gloss that everyone needs to have, like, guys, here it is. Thank me later. If there's, you know, an eye cream, I need everyone to try Here it is. So one, if you find a great beauty product, like share it with your friends, they'll be very grateful um, for your advice. I also think about internet friendships. I spend a lot mm -hmm. of time on the skincare addiction subreddit. It's a fascinating place. Oh, sure. Place. Me too. 
It's great. Now, to be honest, I'm a lurker. I lurk. Oh, I lurk. Too. I lurk. I, 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 I've never posted on Reddit in my life, and I'm too scared to. <laughs> exactly. I lurk. But, you know, you get a sense of people's personalities just from a single post. And I think it's a great way to build community, even if you are, you know, you could be anywhere in the world and you can find community on like a skincare board, which I think is just so cool and so unique to like the beauty world. So I think you can form online friendships through beauty. You can form real life friendships through beauty. And if you have existing friendships, you can deepen them by sharing your favorite beauty products or even just like doing like a self-care day and doing treatments together. Yeah. I mean, one, one great example of that, just from your own life and me uh, watching your travels in Turkey is I remember recently you had to get your hair braided. And so, you know, you crowdsource places to go and, you know, you found um, a spot that it, you know, it seemed like you had a great experience there. And I, I thought that was just a really a cool way to show that you can use social media, you can use your totally. community, you can do that. And yeah, so I'm just like curious, you know, like, how often do you crowdsource tips and stuff from the people in in your community? And oh my gosh, specifically that example just like, you know, sticks out in my head because it just happened. But all the time. And I will tell you, I'm so, that's the thing. When you cultivate a community, like the one I've cultivated on Naked Beauty Planet of like-minded people, like they have your back, like they have recommendations. Like even today, someone DM me and said, I need a good eyeliner that doesn't smudge, like a black eyeliner that doesn't smudge, a pencil. And I said, great, I'm going to screenshot that because I don't have a recommendation. I don't have an answer for her. So I'm going to screenshot that, put it on my story and ask people, okay, what's the best one so that she can get that recommendation? The hair braiding example was so interesting to me because I'm in the middle of Turkey. I'm not even in Istanbul, which is like central. I'm in Bodrum, which is like a vacation part of Turkey. As a black woman, like you're just like, okay, I don't even, (laughs) what am I going to do about these braids? And people were like, yeah, like check out this woman. She was so good, so professional. I was so, so impressed. And that, again, just like the power of crowdsourcing, my my personal trainer that I'm so grateful to have, I put on Instagram stories. I'm looking for a personal trainer who has recommendations. People sent me a bunch of people's names, and I found my trainer today, Lucy, through Instagram stories. So I am a big believer in word-of-mouth recommendations. That's why I think people take the products that my guests suggest so much like on my podcast to heart because... It's not a sponsored post from your favorite influencer. It's not a YouTube video with a million affiliate links. It's not, and by the way, I have no no issue with people getting their money and doing brand deals like great. And I think a lot of influencers have a lot of integrity and they only recommend products that they love. But I think it's very hard to beat a word of mouth recommendation. Like Jake's house, Henry Rose, I have it written down. Like I'm checking it out after this because you've said that it's a great fragrance that I should like know about, right? Like you've just said that from, from your heart, from your soul, this is the fragrance that I love. So now I'm going to check it out. If I had read about it in a magazine or if I had seen an ad, I may not be as interested. So I think that like word of mouth recommendation is just so strong in beauty. Okay. So this is just a random tidbit of info, but it's something that I find interesting regardless. And I think it's something that's important to bring up here because it elaborates on the idea of sharing your recommendations with others can go a long way. So in a Nielsen report, they found that 92% of people trusted quote unquote earned media, which is basically just recommendations from friends and family as the most influential for their purchasing decisions. 
online consumer reviews were the second most popular at 70%. What's even more interesting is that these percentages grew about 15% from just five years prior, suggesting that as you know, all these various forms of media grow and media personalities get bigger, your good old personal recommendations become even more important. Again, to go back to this idea of like people not seeing podcasts and beauty going together, I think it's one of the best ways to talk about beauty and to learn about new beauty products because every product that someone recommends on Naked Beauty, they're recommending it because they love it. Yeah. Well, my last question is going to be all of your beauty recs. So we will be getting to those. But before we get there, I wanted to ask, I think so often we we might have friends who don't feel the best about themselves or, you know, maybe they're just going through a funk or, you know, maybe a family member or somebody in our lives, just they don't feel great in their skin and they're feeling a certain sort of way. And I actually think, you know, utilizing your relationship with them to make them feel better is actually a a core part of using beauty in your community because, you know, you can make someone feel better about themselves by talking them up, by hyping them up, by, you know, being like, Hey, like, don't don't say that about yourself or whatever it is. And I do think that's a a core part of this conversation, you know, using your power to help other people in in your community to feel beautiful. How, you know, like, how do you, you clearly radiate like light in such a in such a way, you know, like, how do you help people in your life feel better about themselves? I love this question. I think it's so important. And, you know, I think One of the things that we have to really hold ourselves back from doing is telling people. So if someone says, I feel so ugly or like I'm feeling so fat, like I, I, it makes me cringe when I hear it, but it happens, right? People say like, I'm, I'm so fat. I look so bad in this. I think our gut reaction is to say, oh my gosh, shut up. No, you're so pretty. Like, don't say that. Right? That's like our gut reaction. And I actually think the better thing to do is just to stop and listen to the person and to ask more questions. What, 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 why are you saying that about yourself? What makes you feel that way? And not in a judge, judge way, like, why would you say that about yourself? But like, receive it, hear it from them. Wow. I hear you saying this. What makes you say that? Why, why, why are you saying that you feel ugly? And they'll say, I don't know. I've just been feeling like crap lately. I've been really stressed at work. And then that's when you get to like the core issue that your friend is going through. Or if someone says, you know, I look so fat in this. It's terrible. I, I don't look good in anything. Why are you saying that? And if someone says, you know, I've just been really out of shape. I just haven't been back to the gym then you listen and you understand, okay, they want to get back in the gym. They want to work out. And so you say, Hey, why don't we go? Like I've been wanting to work out more too. Why don't we go for walks together? Why don't we go for a run together? Right. And I think a lot of times we just, when people are talking poorly about themselves, we automatically just like try to cut it off and just say like, Oh my gosh, stop. No. (laughs) And what we don't do is like, listen and hear why they're saying that, where they're coming from. And just really like the, the core of being a good friend, and I think I've learned this as a podcaster, is being a good listener, right? People want to be heard and they want to be understood. And I'm sure, Alex, you've learned this being a podcaster as well. Like there is power in just being an active listener, listening and like really hearing and asking the right follow-up questions. So I'm saying all of this to say, when you hear someone speaking poorly about themselves, don't immediately invalidate their feelings by saying, you're crazy, you're perfect, you look great hear them, understand where they're coming from. And then that's when you can come and offer solutions. Sure. I think that's great advice. And I think it's a nice reminder that I need to 
I need to tell myself sometimes too. I, I am such uh, a person who will immediately be like, oh, stop, don't do that, you know? And I think you're right. I think we just need to listen to people and give people the space to air what they're feeling because obviously they are feeling something. Yes, yes. That's, that's what it's all about. Give them the space and give them the opportunity to explain how they're feeling. And, and oftentimes when you probe a little bit more, they'll be like, oh no, I was just saying that, right? <laughs> and yeah, so, sure. so then if you're like, if you're just saying that, then don't say that because you don't really yeah. feel that way. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't just say things I don't mean that are negative about myself just to say it. So, you know, here we are, last question. I, I would love to get your favorite recommendations, what you do for yourself. This is obviously product related, but I, you know, I always say everything is skincare. So it's also lifestyle habits. You know, are you somebody who prioritizes, like you have to get eight hours because you know it makes you look better or, you know, you're you're somebody who says, I, I have to work out because it, it gives me a glow, whatever it is. You know, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? Okay, I love this idea that everything is skincare because that is so so true now i will admit i will i i definitely make time to do my skincare routine and that's something that as a new mom i said from the very beginning like i literally brought like my whole skincare thing to the hospital because i was like after delivery like i'm doing the full routine and yeah. i did and it made me feel great so i definitely do my routine i'm right now i'm doing an oil cleanser from audacity do you know this line yeah, I do. Yeah, it's great. Um, I, I feel like it's, I, it's very been a while on. since I've used it, but I remember it being really, really great when I when I think I used one of their serums. Yeah, their their products are great. They just released this. It's a hemp oil and sea buckthorn oil. I love sea buckthorn. It's hemp and sea buckthorn oil. It's a oil cleanser. So I love doing that with like a warm washcloth. And again, I feel like that ritual of skincare, like when you do things that just feel good and like are very sensory and like mm. gratifying, I love that. And then sometimes I do a double cleanse depending on how much makeup and sunscreen I'm wearing that day. So I love the Corez Greek yogurt face wash. That's like a classic and so good. I love good. that brand. Yeah, they make great stuff. And great then the, stuff. the serum I'm really into right now is Ranavat. Do you know Ranavat? Oh, yes. It's that. It's like Ayurvedic beauty. Yes. They, yes. All their Ayurvedic. brightening serum. Yes. That brightening serum with saffron in it is like chef's kiss. So good. So good. And that's the other thing. I really love kind of like smaller indie beauty brands. I think we have so many choices when it comes to how we spend our money. So anytime I can support, you know, a young woman with like a vision and creating really quality products, that makes me so, so excited. So I love their products. And, and to your question about what I do for just like overall skincare, like just to take care of myself, I think keeping your stress levels low is huge. Like it really can't be underestimated because when you're stressed, you don't sleep well, you don't even digest your food properly. So I try to like walk, like in between meetings, I'll go and I'll take walks. I try to laugh as much as possible. I try to like watch TV shows that bring me joy. I try to have long talks on the phone with my friends. I just really try to stay on high alert for things that are causing me stress and then reduce, reduce, reduce as much as possible. So that's super important to me. I'm big on sunscreen. I'm big on sunscreen. I love super goop sunscreen and black girl sunscreen is also a great sunscreen. That's really important to keep your skin protected. And then I will say the 
my biggest issue, the thing that I struggle with the most is going to sleep early. How are you on that? Yeah. Do you, are, you, are you able to go to sleep early? I can't do it. I am <laughs> such a night owl, unfortunately. <laughs> totally. And tell me if it's the same for you, but for me, all day I work, right? You're working now. It's 8.30 as we're recording this. You're doing this podcast. So you're working. And then I feel like, okay, so I work all day. Then I usually am doing my podcast at night. Then I have to cook dinner. Then okay. So then by the time it's like just me time, I feel like I need to maximize that. Like I don't want to just go to sleep. Like I want to like enjoy the like me time that I have. This is a totally real phenomenon. And right. I totally experience it too, where I, I get into bed and I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I, I haven't done all the fun things that I wanted to do today. In fact, I barely did any, you know? Exactly. It's like you have to have that time for yourself. So I am not going to lie on this podcast or any other podcast and say I'm like, you know, you know, the people that are like, I'm in bed by 945. And like, I start my day at, you know, 6am with like a walk, like love that for no. everyone who does that. It's not me. But I love that. I love that. If, you, if that's your if that's your life. I love I love to cook. That's like a big thing. I love to cook and just like enjoy wine. My husband cooks a pizza every Sunday that I enjoy. Oh, fun. Yeah. So I just try to like, for me, the best thing I do for my skin is to keep my life stress-free and relaxed. Well, I think that that is great skincare advice and something that I encourage everybody to follow, you know, keep your life as stress-free as possible. Yes. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. I think this is a really beautiful conversation. And oh, thank you. Yeah, I just, you know, clearly you have created a community for yourself. And so I had to ask you how you did it. <laughs> yes, well, um, thank you for such thoughtful questions and for being such a great podcaster. I love, you know, when I get someone who asks really interesting questions and we can have a really great conversation. So I thank you so much, Alex, for, for the opportunity for this conversation. Well, thank you. You were such a joy to talk with. I, I had a great time. So thank you again. Of course. All right. Thanks so much. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.